Hi, and welcome to the Superbrand Aging Podcast with myself, Steve Halpern. As you might have noticed, I've, I've changed intro music. Just, I'll keep playing with intro music until I find the perfect one. You know, we're all in search of the perfect one. Some of us have found him or her, and some haven't. Anyway, I'm in one of those caffeine moods. We <laughs> look caffeine, and I'm ready to talk and go. So, today... We're going to cover some good additional nutritional supplements that I believe can make a difference. And the first one on my list is cinnamon. Yes, cinnamon. Now, you can use cinnamon. Uh, the best, uh, supposedly, cinnamon is Ceylon cinnamon. But I'm sure a lot of cinnamons are also excellent. And you can use it on your food and your dishes. Or you can take it as a supplement. And uh, I want that additional amounts of cinnamon, so I take a really good cinnamon supplement. Now, what are some of the benefits of cinnamon? Well, of all things, blood sugar control, insulin functioning, and uh, glucose management. In fact, there are studies that show that cinnamon can help lower blood sugar. So maybe if you're eating that pie, <laughs> and it's a cinnamon spiced pie and might balance out. But all kidding aside, cinnamon is very, very important because uh, let's extrapolate. If you're dealing with insulin resistance, insulin functioning, uh, unstable blood sugars, you're going to get other benefits. You're going to get cardiovascular benefits. You're going to get anti-inflammatory benefits. And that's been reported with cinnamon. And it's very been very surprising to me. Sometimes I encounter people who are type 2 diabetic and uh, we start talking and they might be on metformin or another um, diabetic drug. And I mention cinnamon and they are surprised. And then I wonder, hmm, if that practitioner didn't seem to tell them about cinnamon. What else do I like? on my list that has some nice research behind it. Berberine. Berberine derived from Berberine derived from golden seal and one of the major benefits seems to come from Berberine uh, besides improving lung function. That's an interesting one. And its immune enhancing effect is its ability to lower blood sugar. In fact, some of the longevity people believe it can work as well as metformin. So berberine is interesting, a nice, basically safe herb to take. So now you have berberine, and you have cinnamon, and I've talked many times about broccoli seed, especially if you can get which I now use and recommend a stabilized sulforaphane, and there were some good studies on blood sugar control in diabetics. And at the same time, you're dealing and coping and helping the body cope with the effects that unstable blood sugar can have on the body. So now we have three. Another compound called S-O-R-G-H-U-M, sorghum. 
and an extract of sorghum containing 270 milligrams of what they call proanthocyanidins. That's a fancy word for, you know, uh, plant-based compounds that uh, polyphenol compounds had shown some interesting results. And I take it in pill form, but you can also take it as a lot of good cereals seem to have it, healthy cereals. In fact, I use one by Trader Joe's that has some nice sorghum uh, brand and has some additional fibers in them, almost 10 grams. White mulberry extract. Mulberry. The mulberry leaf or play around the mulberry tree has also shown to have blood sugar monitoring effects. And the last one on my list, though there are certainly others, is apple extract. So maybe eating some apples at the end of your meal or with your apple pie <laughs> can have some benefit. But the ingredient, and I'll tell you what it is, it's called P-H-L-O-R-I-D-I. -I. Oh, we'll do it again. P-H-L-O-R-I-D-Z-I-N. And it's made from apple extract. So those are some hints you can do. And many people are finding that as they do glucose monitoring, you know, especially with these monitors you can put on your arm now, and that go to your phone, lots of um, companies are coming out with these. They're very, very surprised to see that foods they didn't think were affecting their blood sugar are, and other foods are not. And going back over this, what we call the standard, it was called a glycemic index. Now, a glycemic index basically measured foods, individual foods, not groups of foods, and saw that there was a rise in blood sugar. And so it was assumed that if you this food had a high glycemic index and this food didn't, well, what is the problem? The problem is wasn't mixed foods. And sometimes when you have a mixed meal, say there's fiber in it or some protein, you might not get that rapid sugar response. So monitoring is really, really important. So it's not just, you know, taking your blood sugar measurement or uh, glycated hemoglobin, you know, which is supposed to measure not perfectly, your blood sugar over a period of time. And while we're on the topic, I think it's very, very important when you go, and it's not usually done standard, when you go to check your annual physical, have them do an insulin level, fasting insulin, to see if you are producing too much or too little insulin. Okay, sometimes too much insulin because of insulin resistance, or not enough insulin because you're going to have, you know, you have prediabetes, or maybe even diabetes, type 2 diabetes, or even type 1 diabetes, which you see sometimes in adults, not just, um, and I, I, I have a guess, a working hypothesis, that it might be 
uh, not just a ge genetic thing, but uh, something happening in our in the gut. And also, you know, I've talked many times in these podcasts about epigenetics and the turning on and turning off of certain specific genes, and these genes might be anti-inflammatory genes, and now you're producing, um, you're attacking insulin-producing uh, cells in the pancreas. So that's something to look at. We even see now in brain issues, possibly insulin resistance of the brain. Fascinating. Insulin resistance of the brain. So how do you know you have insulin resistance? Well, if you look at your look at your waist, <laughs> that'll tell you. Okay. No surprises. The fat you see on the outside is also the fat in the inside. And it has a strong correlation to insulin resistance. So what exactly does insulin resistance mean? It means that your insulin isn't working the way it should. And so you wind up producing more insulin, which is not a good idea, because there are negative effects of producing higher amounts of insulin, more inflammation, possibly cardiovascular risk. And that's because the body is sensing it needs more and more insulin to utilize the glucose in the cells. So supporting a healthy liver can also help. Mm. Negatives, alcohol, alcohol will negatively affect blood sugar. You never really hear about this. Oh, well, I can just drink. No, it does. And it does because of the effect on the liver. In fact, uh, strong connection between alcoholism and diabetes. No surprise. Now there's good news on the horizon. They're actually looking at growing dysfunctional pancreatic, we call it the islets of Langerhans, which, I hope I said that right, the islets of Langerhans, which produce insulin, and uh, they're able to maybe stimulate the growth of new insulin-producing cells in the body, and that's going to hopefully be in the future. And for diabetics, you know, they're now looking at uh, ways of... Uh, getting around the injections. You know, you can't really take oral insulin. That doesn't work. But maybe patches or things that can um, eliminate some of the discomfort of doing insulin shots. Okay. The, the growth of diabetes really, especially type 2 diabetes, is definitely related to obesity. And they go hand in hand. What's the answer? Start to read the labels. You will be shocked how much sugar is in things you never even imagined. I mean, 50 grams, that's like a half a small jar can be in your drink. And even in 
the so-called health products. I'm so shocked when I see the amounts of sugar in some of the so-called health foods, health bars. Another no-no, of course, and it's been studied over and over again, is the intake of fructose. And you'll see it's snuck into a lot of foods. Now, let's be clear. You can eat fruit. Now, fruit does have fructose, but it's not fructose derived from corn, okay? It's fructose that's part of the fruit, okay? Fruit, fructose, and it occurs with fiber, and it occurs with other nutrients in the food. Juices might be a problem, excessive juices, because there's no fiber. And so if I'm going to do a fruit juice, I'm really careful to dilute, dilute it. So you're not getting a sudden shock to the system. Other interesting ideas is that uh, uh, there might be a reduced risk of diabetes with coffee. Well, not unless you use tons of sugar in your coffee, possibly because of the effect on the liver. Caffeine stimulates the liver, which is good in some ways because uh, uh, it's in the, the old story when they say, well, you know, you have a, a hangover or whatever, and, you know, take some coffee. Well, it's not exactly a mythology. It's not going to it's not going to sober you up right away, but it might help you process the alcohol. The caffeine might help you metabolize the alcohol a lot faster. So you're not getting a slow hangover. <laughs> You'll just get it all in your body and get it over with. And so uh, caffeine might be interesting. Resveratrol. Now, that was, that was a new study, and it showed that resveratrol could have a blood sugar balancing effect. So, a little red wine, some grapes as a dessert might be a great idea. So, we come to the end of this podcast because I don't want to overwhelm you. I, again, I hope you uh, find this valuable, enjoyable. I've actually started on Facebook a group where I can post a lot of these studies and uh, extrapolate more than they do in these podcasts, and it's called Super Anti-Aging. Super Anti-Aging at Facebook. You'll see my picture there so that uh, <laughs> you know it's the right group, and you can take a look there. And I really appreciate when you subscribe to these podcasts and share them on your social media and on my list. <laughs> on my New Year's list, I'm going to start to do YouTubes, TikTok, and uh, Instagram, and really get the message out. And the message out, and this is the whole point in this podcast, is that you can slow down the aging process. You can help prevent age-related conditions. But it takes knowledge good practitioners, and uh, work. But work to feel better it becomes easier and easier. So that's the, that's the good news. Uh, 
many of my patients are living examples, my patients, my relatives, and myself, that you can. You can help yourself avoid age-related diseases. This is Steve Halpern. Again, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.